0: All
1: right, what's up everybody? Jack Maloney back with friendly bounce, hardwood proxies, and Basketball Network. We're doing our special season preview podcast with my guys Chris Barnwell and Wesley Share. Tonight we're going to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, last year, 18 and 64, 14th in the East, which is pretty much exactly what they wanted. Um, over the over the off season, they brought in, you know, a bunch of guys: Nick Stauskas, Pierre Jackson. Um, a whole bunch of draft picks. Jahlil Okafor, J.P. J. Dakota, Rishon Holmes, T.J. McConnell, uh, Scotty Wilbekin is here. Not really clear who's all going to make the roster at this point. Um, they lost a few veterans in Jason Richardson and Luke Mbamute. Um, but it's a pretty, you know, influx roster except for Okafor, Embiid, and Noel. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll jump into it with, with Wes, who... Who writes for SB Nation's? Um, what do you guys call it again? Liberty Ballers. Liberty, Liberty Ballers, Ballers, that's right. Um, the Sixers site. So Wes is a, a Sixers guy. I guess you want to start Wes. Sort of just a general thoughts on on how this offseason went with with all the you know Embiid stuff and and Okafor. You know, it's a lot happening there. Yeah, there, there's a lot
2: going on. Uh, the Embiid stuff super unfortunate. There's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of negative media attention he's getting for some bad work ethic stuff that I don't think we need to go into necessarily. Um, but pretty much they came away. Obviously the biggest move of the offseason was the Kings move. They traded for Nick Stauskas who was sort of a token for taking on the contracts of Carl Landry and Jason Thompson and they also picked up um, future pick swaps and a protected 2018 first round pick. So I think was nothing short of a heist I don't think many people would disagree Uh, yeah I mean they sort of business as usual over there I mean they have actually this is probably the least amount of roster turnover we've seen since Sam Yankee took over in 2013 they have something like 7 or 8 guys back from last year they picked up Rashawn Holmes from Bowling Green obviously Jaleel before at number 3 signed Kendall Marshall who will in all likelihood start the majority of the games at point guard this season once he's back. So I think they feel like they probably had a good offseason and they're going to go forward with the same process. I feel like this is the first year where everyone's
3: like, oh, they built a team that's trying not to win again. They kind of, they did, but this is the first year where I feel like they went forward. Like Stauskas is a player that I think is legitimately going to be good. They have Carl Landry, who's a veteran. They signed Pierre Jackson, who again I think is going to be good. These are they didn't sign a bunch of nobody players that you've never heard of. They probably something you've heard of, them. but they didn't sign a bunch of players that you can play in three years of potential. Like in years past, they've signed guys like there's no way this player is going to be in the NBA in three years.
2: A lot of these guys you can actually see them sticking around.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, and
2: I, yeah, that that stuff definitely doesn't get. A lot of attention at all from the national media because I think most of the focus is on Sam Hinkie's "quote unquote" process. You know, so if you mm-hmm. disagree with the process, you probably don't look much into who's on the roster. And there are actually more NBA players than most think on the roster. Uh, and if you like the if you like the process, then you're probably a little more uh, a little more informed on some of the fringe guys that they seem to have who are actually over or out, outperforming expectations.
1: What so H- Hinkie's been there since? 2013, right? Yeah, May of t- uh, 2013. Like, so this is, you know, going on three years that he's been there. What do you think? I mean, you follow the Sixers closely, more closely than I do, Wes. What do you think? Sort of the, the, the idea is there. The thoughts are there on how long they'll let him keep running out this plan, because, you know, it, it's not like he can do this for ten years, right? Like at some point you gotta you gotta go for it, and i I don't know that like the ownership eventually is just gonna get sick of it. you know they've given him a super long leash so far, but like how much longer do you think he can just keep running out teams that are gonna get him a top five pick until the ownership is like, all right, we gotta start winning some games
2: yeah, um so Josh Harris speaks about twice a year. I have no idea uh really what obviously, what his deep thoughts are on the long term view of this whole thing, but they've been pretty transparent about the whole thing, I think they're just going to continue to go back to the draft until they feel like they have a superstar to build around the whole thing is about finding foundational pieces to build around, and if it did take 10 years, and Josh Harris and David Blitzer and their whole ownership group was behind him, I could totally see them doing this for 10 years, (laughs) obviously most people hope that isn't the case, and I highly doubt it will be, but there's really, there's never been any sort of timetable. It's more when uh, can the team identify top level talent and how can they do that? And they've stockpiled a bunch of picks to do so. I'm obviously probably more pro the team's process than most people. Obviously, he's made some moves that I don't totally agree with, like KJ McDaniel's trade, et cetera. But generally, I think he's done a, a very good job.
3: That's actually one thing I kind of dislike about the process. I've always kind of been in the middle where I don't completely hate it, but I do dislike the idea that this is 100% going to work. Like, we There's a, a lot of assumptions from people who support, like there's no way this could possibly fail, and that's an issue I have. But I also do kind of have an issue with the whole idea of never buying in to your guys. Like, Eventually, you have to put a, together a core of players that you think you can work with and just go with them. And, like, I understand being like, well, what if we get the next Anthony Davis? Well, not every, most players and superstars aren't Anthony Davis. Like, eventually, you have to stop waiting. You have to stop waiting around for that guy. you got to go forward with something, right?
2: Yeah, I think, obviously, a lot of the it can't fail stuff you're talking about is more hyperbolic than anything. But I think it more just comes from, I mean, in all likelihood, that's coming from the Philly fan base and that whole contingent. So, and, and yeah, I mean, uh, the Sixers had some, some pretty tone-deaf management for a while before this, and I think people are so refreshed around uh, that area to have somebody who talks about you know, a calculated approach to things, a very level-headed approach to accumulating talent that people can relate to. And I, don't, I, I think that just sort of excites people more than anything. Obviously, there are lots of ways that the whole thing can go awry.
1: I yeah, I have to give credit to Hinky, like I kinda go back and forth on it, but I mean the man came up with this like idea, here's his plan, this is what we're doing, and he's all in and he's never wavered once on should I not do this? Like he he has stated that this is his goal and he's gonna see it through and I think um that a lot of times it doesn't happen whether it's the GM's fault or you know, ownership, you know, Kind of forces their hand, but I think a lot of times you know, guys don't really get a chance to see their their plan, um, you know, all the way through. And that there's lots of different factors, but I I like that Hinky and the ownership group are are seeing this out. And it it might not work. I you're not gonna if building a championship team was was super easy, like people would do it all the time. But I like that they're
3: technically like people do do it all the time. There's a champion every year.
1: Yeah. Um, Sorry. No, but like, start, not starting from this. Like, they had nothing to... I totally broke his brain. Um, yeah. I, I
3: totally
1: know. understand what you meant. I don't know. I'm done. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> You're really dumb. Um. I guess, what do you guys think? We'll, we'll kind of leave him beat out of it for right now because we don't know when he's going to be back. Who who would you rather like who do you see having the having the better career moving forward between Okafor and, and Nerlens?
2: Um I'm actually lower on Julie Okafor than most people are. I I would prefer an NBA center in 2015 be able to stretch the floor or protect the rim and I'm not sure he necessarily projects to do either of those at an elite level. Uh Nerlens is already he anchored a Top, he was the and he anchored the 13th best defense in the NBA last year according to defensive rating, and he was really uh, the only elite defensive player on that in that lineup all year round. I I think Nerlens is a very very bright future. He's working on his offensive game. He's actually been putting his, putting the ball on the floor and facing up a little. He's working on that jump shot, and he's already I think pretty clearly headed towards elite rim protection status very soon, if not already.
3: Well, that's- Let's bring that back a little here, <laughs> that's a That is a very mighty proclamation about a guy that's had one good year. But I, I agree I agree that I think at the moment it looks like Noel will probably have a better career only because we have that sample size. I'm very high on Okafor. I really yeah. liked coming out of the draft. I thought a lot of the was going up against Carl uh, Anthony Towns' resume. But I think Okafor is going to be a very good player. Yeah, and I think he can. One of his attributes that he, uh, he he's very quick in the post. And one way a lot of people are like, oh, the post game is dead now. The post game's not dead; it's just changed. You got to be fast because defenses are going to close in on you fast. Okurfer has the ability to do that one-two post move and get the shot
2: up. And not very many guys can do that. And and not only make the one-two get the shot up; he's also a very very good passer from the post oh, uh, and under pressure. Yeah, I mean he's he's got a very interesting skill set. I think he's going to be a very good player. I think Nerlens Noel still going forward has a bit of a better one.
1: One. Yeah, I yeah, I guess if it was like some sort of situation where you could only choose one, I would choose Nerlens. Um, but I I think they're both going to be pretty good. i was, you know, it's kind of a shame that Embiid's almost like an afterthought, um, just because of his injuries and stuff. You know, it's only so much you can do about that. It's just. When you're seven-two, sometimes your feet just break down. It's, I mean, it's too bad. But I, I think front court-wise, you, you can't really ask for much more if you have narrow ends and open four. Like I think, that's I think that's a front court, you know, that you can build around for the future. It's now about finding the other, you know, some wing depth and point guard and stuff. But obviously, that's yeah, gonna take sure. them a few more drafts. So. <laughs> and uh,
2: <laughs> another interesting thing about Noel. They're going to make a a damn good high low. Nerlens Noel is also a very underrated passer, uh, and that's going to be a really really fun high low to watch the next the next yeah. couple
1: years. It's not right. Like if you, it'd be great if if everybody on your team can shoot threes. But if you have two big men who can at least step out to, you know, shoot an elbow jumper like that fifteen, sixteen foot range, and can hit you know fairly consistently from there. Then you can you can make that work, you know. Like the Grizzlies, Zebo and Marcus All aren't really shooting threes, but they make that work because they're both good passers and like they can both knock down that you know little mid-range jumper and operate in the post. It's like there's no reason to to think Noel and Okafor can't coexist, even though neither really has you know three-point range. But I think as yeah. long as they they develop that mid-range jumper, that's that would be enough to make it work, I believe.
2: Yeah, both, uh, they've both been taking some reps from 10, 12 feet outside in preseason, and Orleans, uh has done it in the past last year a little bit. He started to take it up a little more often in the second half of the year. But this is going to be the first year also where they have a full year of some actual NBA shooters surrounding them at potentially every position. Isaiah Cannon at the deadline was probably the first guard they've had in who can shoot the basketball over since since San took over is Michael carter Williams, Tim Frazier, Larry Drew the second, Tony Roden obviously can't shoot the ball. Like they, they never really had any spacing and it's gonna be interesting to watch a full year of that.
1: Yeah, Stauskas, I mean he's we haven't really seen too much of him but I mean he he can shoot allegedly. Um,
3: I'm excited for whichever player that we don't know about is going to uh, turn into some
1: very Recon like, Holmes rotation player this year, hmm. like they always
3: do it once a year. Like Hollis Thompson remember Robert to every year, to, like some kind of guy you've never heard of turns into a rotation mid, a rotation good player for
2: them
0: every year. I think Jeremy on.
2: Grant has a chance to do that this year. Uh, but, he he cooled off late last year, but I think I mean this this will be a big year for him, obviously. But I'm Jimmy Dakota. T- no,
1: <laughs> no, absolutely <way>. not. <laughs> <laughs> I just. <laughs> Un- yeah. reach on Holmes. I'm in on reach on Holmes because he had a sick dunk the other day but uh, that's all I know about him and he went to Bowling Green perfect <laughs> that's all you need to know what um you want to talk about Sarich a little bit what's the uh, you got like just can you give us a general uh, yeah a so, uh, general outlook on what the uh, plan is with him
2: yeah so Sarich... Was drafted in 2014. He signed a two plus one deal with Anadolu Efes in the Turkish League,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and he does have an out after this season. And he did start saying this past summer that he would like to come to Philadelphia next year. And the team, the team tried to bring him over over the summer. Reportedly, I think David Pick reported that. Uh, and they didn't. They they obviously the league rules allow for a very limited amount of buyout money, and mm-hmm. he, would, he would have taken a pretty big. Uh, financial hit if he had come over last summer, but pretty much the the big deal is going to be for the, in, in terms of the team's interest come, uh, getting him to come over in 2016 because once he gets to 2017 he can do what Nikola Viritic did which is avoid right. the rookie scale and mm-hmm. the team is no longer paying him within their own restrictions and of course then the cap goes up he could be looking at a lot of money if he went still to 2017 so that could potentially be in his best interest
1: and they like he projects. He's like a a power forward, right? Or can he he's play a, the three?
2: He's a three four. He's a point forward. I'm not really sure what position he is or what position he'll ever be able to guard. Mm-hmm. But he's a he's a really interesting offensive player. Yeah. Uh, and he's a he's sort of a bruiser. Uh, he he works pretty hard on the. I think, but I I don't know who he really projects to defend going forward.
1: Yeah, I watched him, you know, a few times in EuroBasket. and He's like. I don't know it's it's hard to really get a true feel for a guy when you only see him like I don't know play like forty minutes or whatever in in europe in Eurobasket but it's like he had brief glimpses where he looked like awesome and then he would go through stretches where you just completely forgot he was on the floor and i I don't know that just could be European like national team ball is a lot different and you don't know like what system they're running or whatever like it's hard to really tell. Um, but you definitely like saw glimpses of of the talent, which is like in th- I mean, passing i I thought he's an unbelievable passer in what I saw
2: um, yeah he's he's got really 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 good vision that's definitely sort of his calling card. Um, he didn't actually even perform all that well in your basket. I thought he shot the ball pretty poorly, like under twenty five percent from three yeah. and he's a pretty he's a pretty inconsistent outside shooter that's going to be a, a pretty big swing skill for him going forward.
1: Weird. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see him when he comes over, how they, you know, if they get another, probably probably another top five draft pick plus him next summer, and, you know, if Embiid's healthy, like, I think next summer could really be the, the sort of turning point if everything...
2: It, it, it could be they like got it. a new practice facility coming next summer, too, which is definitely planned accordingly to that, although I don't think they're any sort of a allure next summer, obviously. Uh... And plus they have Miami's first round pick top ten protected,
1: the Thunder first round pick top fifteen protected, and the Lakers first round pick top three protected. <laughs> that uh, yeah, that you could have two top five picks. Plus Saric, plus you get Embiid back like that. That could be a ridiculously talented roster next year.
2: it, it definitely could potentially. I think the Lakers <laughs> pick. Might run a little closer, yeah, a uh, line than others probably do, but I don't know. And you know, if they if the Sixers outperform expectations, which I don't really think will necessarily be the case, I picked them in the Liberty Bar's preseason pre uh, season preview to win twenty games. But if they were to to win twenty five to thirty, they do have the Kings' pick swap available <laughs> to them if the Kings were to play very poorly.
1: Oh man, that's that's like a part time job keeping track of their. Uh their picks and everything. <laughs> I good. have
2: trouble keeping track of the second rounders the most.
1: <laughs> Alright, what do you guys as we wrap things up, what do you guys see uh oh, West East twenty wins. Chris, what do you uh you think the Sixers can can finish above last in the East or are they, they They've do? done it
3: every single time in the Hickey era. They're not gonna finish last. They'll in the East or in the NBA?
1: No in the East. In the East? Oh they'll
3: yeah they'll well, no, the Bucks and Knicks beat them last year. So well, last year, so now I don't think they'll be last. I think they'll be second. I have them like at twenty-three or twenty-four wins.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, I can't see them winning too many more than that. They'll probably—it's uh, not really what they want to do anyway. But um, yeah, they, it's yeah. going to be—it's going to be at least interesting to watch this team now that you have a healthy Nairlands and you have Okafor, is, like, those are two dudes who, moving forward, you know are going to be on the team. And, like, you get to see them watch, you get to see them operate together. So it'll be at least be, like, something when you're watching this team where it's not like, uh, why do I watch this team? Like, none of these guys are going to be here. Like, you at least have a some, you know, excitement moving forward for the Sixers fans. Uh, yeah, West I think Southern they have lineup.
2: some papers. uh as well, who are going to be pretty interesting to watch this year, like Robert Covington and Hollis Thompson. Obviously, Stauskas is going to be in a playing, likely pretty heavy minutes for the first time. Yeah, there's some interesting storylines to watch for sure.
1: Definitely. All right, that's a wrap on the Sixers. I'm Jack. My guys, Chris and Wesley. Here's our boy DJ Sartino playing us out. Catch you guys later. Peace.
2: This ain't jump. This ain't slam. The name of this record is bounce.